0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Hi, this is Jessie too, And mine Helen Stanback. And you're listening to another episode of Asian Bitches Down Under. (laughs) Happy
0: Wednesday! Hi, Happy Wednesday! It's again the that day that we record our pod. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. How's yeah. your hump? How's your hump day?
0: Uh, uh, it's actually okay. I think it's not perfectly mm-hmm. great. Um, I was expecting it to be a bit more bright day, but it's quite cloudy. And we went out for uh, a walk with the dogs just nice. before the hit, rain hit, and then yeah. came back home. Lunch an hour. We're doing the recording. Yeah, Um, and uh just before I, um, before this phone call, like before the recording, I had to quickly finish the book because I want to really talk about it.
1: Oh, nice! What is it?
0: So I finished the book that you gave me—the one about the motherhood, set Mum Lady.
1: Oh my god, you're fucking crazy! You're such a voracious reader. I love it.
0: No, I feel like I'm a very slow reader. Like no, it you're took not. me like two or three weeks to finish one book.
1: Um, some people don't read a book a, a whole year. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, the other book that I just finished this. Uh, morning was before the coffee gets cold. Oh, um, nice! Yeah. I can't wait
1: to hear about that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll g- just mention the first one. Uh, Sad mom lady. So who's it by? Um, by Ash Davenport. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: I initially thought the book would be very white feminism because mm-hmm. the first two chapters I read, it's like it feels like like geez, you're in a very privileged position, you know, yeah, yeah. like choosing what tea to have when you're having labor. Uh-huh. Um. But it actually also reminded me the TV series um, Let Down. Haven't heard of it. I don't know if you've seen it. It's no. like the similarities of the narrative of the motherhood. There's uh-huh. just uh, things about motherhood that I feel very universal. The yeah, frustration you will have when you're going to the labour and the things that you'll face with your partner. I'm talking about heterosexual couples here. Mm-hmm. Like the male partner who have no idea what to do and you just yeah. get so uh-huh. frustrated. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she also wrote about her trips um like to Outback while her kids were really young and her trip uh-huh. with her father, like as uh-huh. like r and R trip with her father to Bali. I feel like there should be more it's a good thing that I, you know I read this uh-huh. because I feel like there should be more um narratives about mother taking time off and make it uh-huh. Uh-huh. like it's a norm. Like I I know maybe perhaps a lot of white families out there that they know the term me time and they know that it is really important for moms to take time away from the family or the kids to, you know, to rest a bit. But for me, like as like we're called like 1.5 generation or first generation of immigrants. Immigrants. Yeah, yeah, immigrants. Taiwanese. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I feel like like there's still a lot of stigma friends that I have with like with a similar background, they are reluctant to do that. Yeah. As in taking time off from their partner or from yeah. their kids. You know, I, I've taken trips with my friends before but I also like when the invitation comes up, I also um heard some of my friends uh-huh. would say that, Oh, but who is going to look after the kids or like, nah, I don't I don't have the hope for my husband to look after the kids. Right. And there was one that I just thought that Okay, why are you still with this guy? This this woman said that oh, her husband wouldn't allow her to stay overnight, like elsewhere.
1: That's frightening.
0: Yeah, it's really frightening. You know, I yeah. just thought that, you know, women have done so much unpaid work in this patriarchy system. Yeah. I just feel like you deserve it, you know? know. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like yeah. isn't
1: you know, someone once said that motherhood is mental illness. But yeah, it's the mental illness that's, like that. Like you said, um, mm. unrecognized, under-recognized. Mm-hmm. It's not given the full complexity that it deserves. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. Sheila Hetty said, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the woman who wrote Motherhood. Motherhood, yeah. Who you and I, yeah, we have conflicting <laughs> thoughts about. I.e. I love her and her books and Helen was a bit not as... Yeah, not as I excited. I wasn't as keen, yeah. yeah. but but Sheila Hedy did say during that time she had her book Motherhood out. She said that if motherhood was an experience that men went through, it would be philosophised in a way that isn't, isn't because it's a female experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be taken seriously and yeah. there would be hundreds and thousands of books written about the subject of motherhood, but because yeah. it's experienced predominantly and I guess... Yeah, ge- biologically speaking, just you know, w- people who have female bodies. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's just not taken as seriously. Yeah, and I I know what you mean, and it's really sad that still a lot of Asian women, especially or women from immigrant families, we grew up with this culture where our mothers taught us through her behavior and her attitude mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. um, to take time out of your your role as a mother is selfish. Yeah, like I and remember everyone puts I, like
0: guilt or shame on I it. I know. Yeah.
1: yeah, and like it's just it, it's incredible because there is already already an overwhelming amount of guilt and shame that mothers already feel women already feel you know mm-hmm. like for instance I remember when I was in my early 20s my first job was at a private girls' school in the inner west of Sydney and I had this really close colleague friend who was a mother a Christian mother of four kids and every Monday night she would take herself to the local pool to mm-hmm. do a few laps okay good and I remember on Tuesday mornings she would often come to school really bubbly and happy and she would say sometimes mm. she would say oh my god I had like the worst fights with my children yesterday last night but I just left them and I went to swim and I just sometimes I don't even feel like it like I feel like I need to be with them on that evening but because I've had such a sh- strict schedule I've made myself go um, every Monday night to swim and she mm. says in, unequivocally when she comes back she she feels like a better person and she can deal with the mess of her home once she's taken time for herself and then and yeah. then hell I told mum that mm-hmm. I told like our mother that once and then mum mum's reaction was wow that's this woman so selfish and so lucky I would never have been able to do that when I was a young mother
0: yeah i feel like the narratives that our mother had grown up with is that like the woman in that generation and you know most like yeah, like most likely it will happen in our generation as well if we don't, like, break the cycle, you know, like yeah, some of yeah. my friends, that they have been conditioned to mm. feel and think that way.
2: Yeah. And
0: yeah. I, I I, applaud your colleague to do that because I try to do the same as well, you know. I'm trying to take at least um, a bit of time away from the kids each week. This is pre-COVID, of course, you know, to do yeah. climbing yeah. because yeah. I know it's so, even though it's so physically draining, it's exhausting, you know, the like uh, climbing, yeah. bordering, and all that. But I like mentally, I feel a lot more better. Like, I can, Good. like, Good. I can jump out of my role during that time yes. and then just, yes. like, um, gather my thought first, just mainly mm-hmm. focus on what I was doing, like climbing the rocks, you know, something that yeah. it's just nothing to do with my you know, motherhood to yeah do with your role and then yeah, i can like come back oh, I love yeah that. and i can yeah. come back yes and reconcentrate on you know like the role of being a mother a wife or a worker or anything else yeah yeah it's just so yeah. important yeah
1: i love that i want to say also i mean i can't tell that story about my colleague without mentioning the fact that she was a white wealthy privileged mm-hmm. woman and she had a husband who was able to i mean not this is really sad but the reality is a lot of women don't have the luxury to leave their children you know because they don't have the resources the family support yeah the
0: yeah it's really fucked like even though if the woman have the partner the partner might choose not to like like, there's there's a choice there's a choice of the man or the husband that they choose not to look after the kids it's like they, were yeah. Still, yeah. Yeah, they it's will still, yeah, they will still have the choice, mentality, yeah, like oh, but you're the mum, like why are you leaving your kids? You know, mm-hmm. like that they will put them put the woman through the yeah. guilt trip, yeah. Yeah, it's so shit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. On the other subject of the book that she mentioned was about her anger management. This is an interesting po- uh, point that I want to brought up. Um she actually explored um how she went through of managing her anger which i don't really see much in literature Interesting, because yeah. i guess because women's the the emotion of female anger is not very prevalent publicly speaking um, publicly um, people yeah people or yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. that's right yeah it's always been taken as a negative uh perception that it yeah. shouldn't be brought yeah. up how the society have been viewed woman you know for centuries is that like woman should be obedient should be care like, Should make herself likable like gentle yeah yeah but i like the way that she actually explored how she have her anger not only within the motherhood situation of course you know with every mother literally if one woman said that she'd never been angry In the role as a mother, I would never believe her. Yeah. It would just push you to the point of breaking, like being a mother at some time. Yeah. She talked about how she managed through going through like management sessions. It's kind of like a...
1: What did she go through? Did she go through a program or what? She went
0: through like a community program, but the way that she written Uh her experience is actually quite comic. It's fun to read. Uh Yeah. So it's not that intensively bad but you can also feel that how she was feeling at the moment
1: yeah it reminds me that like in in the last 12 months we've had a wave of more prominent literature penetrate the mainstream in regards to women books about women and anger like off the top of my head I'm thinking about like I'm just looking at my bookshelf now mm-hmm. Sonara Shemelay's Rage Becomes Her um there is um, Rebecca Chaster's book on anger mm-hmm, yeah. there's another one by um a black academic who has escaped my mind right now, she wrote about black female anger and the trope of the angry black woman. Mm -hmm. And I love that you've brought this up, Helen, because I'm someone who's Mm -hmm. perpetually angry and I've always been made to feel ashamed for my anger. Like I, I remember always feeling as though I would not be loved by a man because I'm always angry and my anger as a woman is going to be repellent for men. And, like, I can't – like, I said this the other night when I was Mm -hmm. doing my book Mm -hmm. launch. I think you were there. Um, I'm just someone who's always angry. And I can't – like, I can't imagine any way other than being angry because anger is what has started historically, has begun movements, the civil rights movement, the feminism movements. Like, anyone who's ever not – the slave, like, Mm -hmm. the slavery, like, the civil war in America. Anyone who's ever not had the privileges of the mainstream – have had to start from a place of anger, you know? It's such an important emotion, and I never want to mm-hmm. lose it. I never want to stop being angry, and I don't care how unsavory that makes me appear. And I love this quote from from this writer, I don't know, remember who, but um, they said, like, anger is just one letter short of danger, D-A-N-G-Y, and then anger is A-N-G-Y. Oh, yeah. uh, sorry, A-N-G-E-R-Y-A-N. Mm-hmm. A-N-G-E-R, A-N-G-E-R, G E R yeah. <laughs> I I never know how to spell out letters, um. But it's like it's dangerous, right, for a woman to be angry. Yeah,
0: because my feeling is that female anger is being associated with chaos. You know, it's like um, how the whole system is established the norm of, you know, how yes. like yes. how women should behave and how women should react and what's acceptable behaviors etc you know it's very the society has been quite ambivalent towards different genders you know like the very double standard of how one could behave and how the expectations are set out for each you know gender i know yeah so my concluding feeling for the book is that it, the struggle of motherhood seems very universal You know, I mean, it will be worse in some cultures and better than some, but I'm talking about like motherhood is in, you know, heterosexual couples. Uh, I'm not quite sure about homosexual couples. Maybe they have similar problems in parenting and running a household, but.
1: But it's probably not as gender imbalanced, obviously, uh, because they're the same sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I feel like. Anyway. Same sex mm -hmm. couples are so much better at dealing with all this shit because they come to their relationship and their roles as, and they create their own narratives of their role. You know, they set their own terms Mm -hmm. because there's no precedence of it. There's no like hundreds and thousands of years of these gender roles and behaviours that we've just, like you said, been conditioned to perform. Yeah, that's right.
0: Mm -hmm. And another book that I read was Before the Coffee Gets Cold. Oh, yeah. So you mentioned this book from your book club. I Yeah, because a guy
1: in my book club... Had bought it for like last year. My book club had a Chris Kringle book thing, okay? Yeah, and then we, we were to wrap a book that we wanted someone else to read in our book club. And then mm-hmm. there was one dude in my book club who wrapped this for someone, mm-hmm. and I thought that was excellent because this guy was a straight white dude, and I was very, very happy with him for doing that. He picked, up a, that like he picked a up a Japanese, Japanese writer. yeah, right? I was yeah. so impressed. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool, interesting. So the Japanese writer Toshikazu Kawaguchi, um actually this uh the book has been made into the film, but the English title
2: oh.
0: is different. You know, okay. it's called the, Before is... Before the Coffee Gets Cold. Um mm-hmm. the original title in Japanese is Funikuli Funikula. It's beautiful. Uh, what does it mean? You know, it's that that opera piece um by Pacini. Uh Peppino To. Cool. Uh the music is by Li- Tosca? No 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 no. The mu- the music is by Luigi Denza in 1880. Mm. Okay, that's quite If I if modern. I start like if I hum a bit of the go, music go, you know. It. It's like those pasta music, the Italian pasta commercial like, music. Da, 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 da. No 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 it's go- it, it, went- it goes like it's oh. da 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 I didn't know. I had to look it up. I'm like, what? Isn't this like pasta oh my commercial God, that's music? so cute. I have no idea why the uh, Japanese title is that, to be honest, because I, I don't find any relation to yeah, weird. But anyway, tell to, us about to, the book. To, yeah, anyway. So that's the name of the ca- cafe that the, the every story is set on. Yeah. So. Basically, that the cafe have a chair that can make you travel through time. The stories are surrounded with a couple of women that are all protagonists in in the novel. Um, The reference, the titles, you know, the English title is "Before the Coffee Gets Cold." It's a reference to the center element of the time travel. You must drink the coffee that was offered uh, before it gets cold while you were back in the time. So you'd get transported back in time mm. of your, like the time that you've chosen uh-huh. and you will be served a cup of coffee, but you have to consume that coffee before it gets cold. Right. So literally that you'll be like, stay in the past for like 15 to 20 minutes to whoever that you want to meet. So there's a couple of rules that regards to the time traveling. Yeah. But um, I, I really like um how they played out. Yeah. Um, of the woman's life experience. So the, uh, it divided into a couple of chapters. There was a woman with her husband's dementia that she wants to go back to the time that mm-hmm. before her husband forgot her.
1: That's so sad.
0: And there's a young woman searching for the answer from a boyfriend who dumped her. Oh my um, God, that's
1: even sadder.
0: <laughs> and, and it just gets sadder. And, and the other one was about a woman's desire to return to the past, Mm -hmm. to consolidate with her dead sister. And the final one was about a mother traveling to the future, which is very, it's out of norm because they never thought that they can travel to the future, but they found out that they can. Cool. So she traveled to the future in order to to meet her daughter, which she sacrificed her life to give birth to her.
1: Jesus, that's fucking sad, man.
0: Have you read Time Traveler's Wife?
1: Uh, No, I haven't.
0: It's it's a but bit I, like that. Oh, okay. It's Yeah, it, I think in essence it's a bit like that book. Well, yeah. Kevin
1: Kevin fucking loves that film. He's obsessed with Rachel McAdams. Jesus Christ. Uh,
0: with a, um, Eric, Eric Banner. Banner yeah, it? I can't take
1: Eric Banner yeah. seriously. I cannot take him seriously. <laughs> I just think of Full Frontal. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's hard. <laughs> Ray Martin. Seriously, yeah. Eric Banner. Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: It also remind me of, uh, of one of the Doraemon's episode yeah. where Nobita returns to his childhood oh. to meet his grandmother. Oh, that's so you know, sad. like she passed away, yeah. and then he goes back to see her.
1: That's so yeah. fucking sad. God.
0: I think the 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 language in 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 this novel is very easy to read, but the story the pace is okay. good, and then it reflects on the background of individual characters as that's well, nice. as in yeah. the desire they want to go back in time. Like one of the rule is that whatever that you go back in time and do whatever that you do within those ten, twenty minutes will not change the present. Yeah. yeah. So it's actually it's actually yeah. just like Well that's good. I don't know. It's like you found found peace within yourself. Try to do what you Yeah didn't do in that you know, the opportunity of yeah. ten to twenty minutes. I yeah.
1: didn't know it was so sad, Helen, because when I saw the novel, the cover of the novel, it looks so sort of dainty and kind of lighthearted, you know? Like can you just describe the cover to yeah. listeners?
0: Okay, so the cover is in two colors. Um the top bit is like a aqua glittering um setting and you have two chairs uh, like a, it's like a very normal cafe setting. Yeah. With two chairs, two cups of coffees, and there's a cat. <laughs> there's no cat in the novel, but on the cover, there's a cat appeared on the, like, underneath the coffee table. Mm-hmm. So there's two cups of coffee, and you have two empty chairs. So it's signifying. And it's animated. Yeah, it's animated. Yeah, Or like and
1: more cartoonish is what I'm saying. It's more yes. cartoonish.
0: I guess is yeah. because, you know, how people per- perceive Japanese work as in like yeah. they want to make it cute.
1: Yeah. Oh we yeah. can go on for another hour about that. Yeah, kids about that culture. anyway. Oh my
0: gosh. You wouldn't think it's a very sad Yeah, it yeah. doesn't look sad. It looks actually quite
1: it looks but kind of um domestic actually. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it's a good sadness. It's a good sadness. Like it's heart wrenching, but it's also like it's very fulfilling. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it.
1: <laughs> and it's also a very short book, eh? Hey?
0: Yeah, it's short. Yeah, it's not very long.
1: It looks under two hundred yes, pages. Yes. Yeah. What would you, hey um if you could enter this world and this book would you mm-hmm. wath- rather go back in time or in the future and if you want to go to either one why or when
0: I haven't really thought about it like when people ask me if I want to travel back in the past where or who I want to meet Yeah what do you say I would say our grandmothers I always say our grandmothers
1: Stop yeah. I'm going to cry
0: because I think <laughs> We'll have to edit yeah. this out. I think it's just so important to... Like, I think the, uh, they have given me a lot yeah. of influence. Mm. For
1: me, I think I definitely don't want to see my future. That's terrifying. <laughs> uh, so I would go in, back into my past. I, uh-huh. used to, I used to often say I would love to go back in the 50s in America uh-huh. because New, New York specifically, because that was when the avant-garde... Okay. kind of movement in the visual in the art world mm-hmm. was really stirring up and the B generation you know and i love the whole cultural the the whole culture around new york literary art in towards mid century but like i said for, to you like the reality as a woman especially if i was still asian mm-hmm. if i wasn't still moving around in an asian body would be terrible i would have no rights or like i would be facing sexism every day um but like i i suppose just selfishly if i had to want to go back in time to see Mm -hmm. someone i would like to see i would love actually to be able to go back to taiwan in the early 60s or late uh, early 70s because i would love to meet my mother and my father as they were my age like when they were in their 20s okay yeah Yeah. because i I would love to know whether or not they are the same people or they're different like i would love to know my father before he was a dad
0: i'm pretty sure they were different
1: yeah it's so sad yeah. It's how, so sad how
0: social expectations to become wife, husband, mother and know, father will change yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And how about you? Have you what what's what have you been reading, watching, listening?
1: My I've watched a lot of films this week, but I want to specifically talk about the ones that mm-hmm. have made me laugh a lot. <laughs> Actually, they've made me laugh and also <laughs> sob. Like I I cry so easily. Um, So Uh I sobbed and also laughed while Uh watching the film Brittany Runs a Marathon. That's a brilliant (laughs) Yeah. Uh
0: (laughs) I Um, recommend it to you. I'm like, you have to watch it. Yeah.
1: So the story is um, about a young woman who's 27, 28. She's rather overweight and she is living a quote unquote unhealthy lifestyle. I feel like that's very Mm -hmm. judgmental just to even say that. But according to society, you know, she's living an unhealthy lifestyle because she eats what she wants. She goes clubbing in the evenings and she drinks. That to me is just like completely normal behavior. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but you know, so uh, one day she goes to see a doctor. He's telling her that if she doesn't change her ways, something bad is going to happen to her health. So anyway, she takes up running and her life changes. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of very radical feminist readings about this movie that have a lot of iterations of wrongness. Like, a lot of it on un-PC. Like, the, her love interest is a person of colour. Her best friend is a person of colour. So there's, like, racial aspects to this film that isn't ideal. But mm-hmm. still, I found myself sobbing hor- horrifically at the end yeah. when she was... Finishing, so she tries to run the New York mm-hmm. Marathon and yeah. she succeeds. I think that's not a big spo- spoiler. Yeah,
0: I think it, it made me feel like watching what's that TV drama on Hulu that we were watching a couple of months ago? Sh- Shrew. I can oh, never shrill. pronounce that. Shrew. Yeah. Yeah. With Lindsay West. Uh, yeah, that yeah. She, yeah. That was a fantastic...
1: You fucking love that show um, so much. You were like... Yeah, I love that. Helen was literally <laughs> texting me every day for about two weeks. Watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think every woman should watch it. Men yeah, should watch it too, of course. Everyone should watch it. Yeah. Because um, apparently it's like the first um, on-screen... Depiction. Like not real, yeah. like abortion. Depiction of... Ab- for like a... De- depiction of... A, yeah, that's right. Depiction of abortion for like a... Um, Overweight woman, right? You know, rather yeah. than, and it was just that scene is really real. I think I cry so much. Oh my god,
1: I don't remember the scene. Can you describe it?
0: Um, who does she get pregnant with? She to? went Ryan, yeah, okay, that trashy boy, yeah, he's such a dick and
1: so unrealistic, <laughs> by the way. Go on, yeah.
0: Um, so she went in to have her abortion, mm. and I remember, I'm not quite sure if her friend went in with her. Yeah. But it was just a scene that that um, play out with no background music, no background sound yeah. except for the machines. That's scary. You know the machines, yeah. and then afterwards, you just see her so peaceful coming out of the like the clinic and gone going home and sit down with her friend. And there was a couple minutes of I wouldn't say total silence, but you can just see that you don't need any language to yeah. express that the moment of emotion for her exactly. like a friend just sat with her yeah. and i don't remember seeing anything like, like that on screen yeah. before like the abortion like we've never seen abortion on tv screen or movie like it's usually like like perhaps that you get a script and then the woman disappears and then she comes yeah, back yeah, home exactly. it was never a scene in the clinic yeah. that you go through the procedure you hear the noise and all that
1: well my perception of yeah. abortions is very much informed by like I when I was in when I was um in at university um I went with my then best friend to when she had an abortion and so I went in with her up until like the actual procedure mm-hmm. um and I always think about that so I was there in the mm-hmm. clinic and I saw what happened I heard the machines it was quite terrifying actually like, it's just sucking sounds. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, it was like a yeah, dentist. It but um, the, the, mm-hmm. the only abortion mm-hmm. scene I can think of is the um, the latest Hulu series based on Celeste Ng's book, Little Fires Everywhere.
0: Oh, okay.
1: There was an abortion scene from a um, perspective of a young, white, privileged teenage woman. And I think from memory, they stopped shooting when she was about to go under. And I think the... I guess the doctor or whoever mm-hmm. was administering the abortion said something like, do you want to see a, she said something like, do you want to see a picture of the ultrasound or something? And I remember thinking, does that actually happen? Because I don't think mm-hmm. that's quite traumatizing. Like you are, you are going there in the hopes with a desire to get rid of this thing inside your stomach. You don't want to see that thing because you don't want any kind of emotional attachment to it. Right. I'm assuming, I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. so hard. I just find that really yeah. deeply. But but I love what you said about how there really hardly is any genuine authentic depiction of something so such a uniquely like exclusive female experience. Um, experience. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, it's I, I guess it's a taboo that that's still very it's still very discussed very like openly, I guess. Well, back to Britney runs the marathon we we kind of yeah. derailed a bit. Yeah. Which bit that mm-hmm. you saw was Extremely emotional for you.
1: Well, at the end, when she was... Um, she kind of got a gr- cramp when she, while she mm-hmm. was running the New York City Marathon. And mm-hmm. she w- was thinking, I'm not going to make it. But then um, mm-hmm. her friends... My God, I'm crying. <laughs> just thinking about... Oh, what's wrong with me? I'm so emotional. Like, when she sees her friends cheering her on mm-hmm. on the sideline. It's so, like... I'm just like, that's so nice to have friends like that, you know?
0: (laughs) Should we take a break? (laughs) I
1: don't don't even know why I'm getting emotional. I don't even have my period.
0: (laughs) I was going to ask you if you got your period.
1: No, I'm always emotional. I don't know. I don't know why it makes me cry. Like, just it's just so beautiful to know that there are people out there who love you even though they have like they're not related to you or they don't want sex with you like friends are so important
0: i think that part was quite emotional for me as well but i found it hard to digest the scene where she was having like she was celebrating like the i think it was a 41st birthday with her brother-in-law yeah and then she was, she was like, um, oh, that was being really judged. That was awful. She was, yeah, she was re- being really judgmental to the other friend who yeah. was like chubby.
1: Yeah, very. You large. know, she's like, yeah. why
0: are you that fat? You know, how yeah. ca- how can you get you know such a good man if you're that size and all that? That was very heartbroken from me. Like, why was she in that position? Was she? I, I can't get around her mental status at that time of her thinking like for her to attack the other woman like she's been through that as well but there's something missing i think the story or the movie didn't talk too much about her parents you know that's what i found that's missing like i would like to know that how she like her childhood or yeah, yeah. how she had become like an adult like that.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, there was a scene where she plays back a video of her celebrating her dad's birthday with a big cake. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah and I was
1: just like, oh my, I remember the things that, seeing that f- footage, like during that film, and I was like, oh my God, is her dad going to have a heart attack now?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like in the in the footage that she's walking back. But no, mm-hmm. it was just her looking back at a video where her dad's quite large, so yeah. that we know that her dad is also obese. beast. Mm. But I love what you said about parents. I never thought of that. But yeah, you're right. Like, yes. it, it would be interesting to know.
0: Because, it, like, I'm just going to j- quickly jump back to Shuru again. Because in Shuru, we see... um, What's her name in the in that series? I can't remember now. Anyway, in Shuru... Oh, um, Annie. Yeah, it's Annie, you know, yeah. that she... Yeah. There's a lot of connection to her parents. Yes. So yes. we know how there's a yep. reason that she became like that yep. as an adult. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, how she brought up – I wouldn't want to use the word traumatised, but her, her mother had a lot to do Def- with her weight. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so sad how, like, mothers often police their own daughters. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad.
0: Yeah.
1: But, um, yeah, moving on to, like, happier news, <laughs> Um, I want to say that in the last week or so, because I never listen to music. I literally don't. Like, mm-hmm. the only time I listen to music is – um, in the evenings, perhaps, and I listen to jazz. Like, I'm a mm-hmm. ferocious jazz listener. Like, I, that's kind of the only thing I listen to, jazz. Um, old stuff, classics like Thelonious Monk, Chet Baker, um, Art Blakely. Uh But this week I've been obsessed with Julia Jacqueline. She's a Sydney-based mm-hmm. singer-songwriter. I've listened to her for the last 12 months, but it's just particularly in the last week, maybe with my book coming out, I felt like very much I wanted my own space because – during, mm-hmm. like, on Monday before my book launch, I had four interviews um, and they were really, like, productive. But it, I was also, my brain and my soul were so drained. And I think I needed that space to just chill. And Julia Jacqueline's mm-hmm. music is so beautiful. It's, it's so soul nourishing and sad. Like, there's just something about me that resonates with sadness, especially female sadness. There's this one song that I love called The Good Guy um, and it's there's this one beautiful line where she says um, I don't care for the truth when I'm lonely I don't care if you lie Everybody,
2: I don't care for the truth when I'm lonely I don't
1: care if you lie come um, breathe and it's just For me, it kind of symbolises this idea that when we're lonely, um, we put ourselves into dangerous positions of self-delusion and we let ourselves believe what we want to believe because we want so much to be loved. She also does a great cover of The Strokes' Someday, um, which is also a beautiful song. The way in which the rhythms of her songs and the sort of tenor are so they just reverberate with the way that I am as a human being as and it's just so beautiful <laughs>
0: We' talking about on the subject of how female when they become lonely that <coughs> they're in search of love and how vulnerable that will make them be and I don't know if that writer is still have that post on, but he written something about like it's it's a bit poetic what he written I mm. should' have saved it mm-hmm. when I saw it two days ago, um. Yeah. Because I was just thinking, Oh my god oh my god, this is very relevant of what you're talking about, loneliness and vulnerability and he and I really want to like translate it into English. Well I can't find it now. Anyway, essentially he was talking about this writer, he's always been like a sexual assault victim advocate. So he go out and talk about this kind of issues and yep. trying to get yep. the community and the whole the, the society in Taiwan to be aware about um sexual violence and sexual harassment sexual assault in every like institutions whether or not it's in school Imagine. in uni at workplace and then he he wrote something a couple of days ago um saying he said that the one thing that's worse than direct sexual assault is the prolonged assault that you never know that was been that has been cloaked in a disguised mode of love. Oh, yes. Yeah, as in, he, he essentially, I think this is how I interpret what he was saying. I think he was just saying that, you know how when you are designed for love, mm. I think he's talking from the point of like a victim and most likely a woman or female. Mm. He's saying that when you're falling in love, and the perpetrator used the you know it like you, they use the word love to gaslight, to be passive aggressive, for you to to let yeah. the uh, victims to believe that is an echo of love, as in being assaulted, being harassed, you know, being abused and things I'm, like that.
1: I'm doing this because I love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's such
0: a like what he wrote is very. Um, relevant to a lot of situations for example when we mm. were growing up mm-hmm. like I think it still happens in the school growing as well you know how when the boys want to get girls attention what do they do they go and push them yeah they pull their hair and things like that and then the girls yeah. were tall I hope this would change you know I, I yeah. honestly hoped it, that this kind of behavior would change and adults to really take accountable for it to change these yeah. kind of behaviors yeah uh, that's not the way to do it yeah you know and the girls to be taught to know that that's not the correct that's way that's fucked up yeah yeah because a lot of girls have still been told that oh because that you know because he likes he like you because he likes do you, think you that still goes on i think it's still very prevalent in asian countries like what that, I... That
1: ideology. Yeah, that, that ideology. That a young boy will like yeah. push you or pull your hair because he wants to grab your attention, that yeah. he mistreats you and that women should get used to that sort of like, sort of pain-centred attention. Yeah. That, oh, he teased me, therefore he must like me.
0: It's so stupid. I mean, it happened to me when I was in high school, but I just yeah. told a guy to fuck off. What did he do? <laughs> um... This is just so stupid. There was this guy that he was trying to grab my attention. Mm-hmm. I think he was in the in the stage of breaking up or in a very ambiguous situation with his girlfriend. Yeah, I don't know that he was trying to make his girlfriend to be jealous or jealous, something. Yeah, and then he will often throw like bunch of paper, like roll like bunched up in a ball. He would be sitting behind me in the classroom, and he would yeah. throw it to me. it's harmless, you know it, it's it's harmless, but it's annoying. I kill this guy i, <laughs> and I just turned a, I just turned around, and gave him a you know rest bitch face and I told him to fuck off like I'm not good interested, girl. but it's yeah, I was just thinking, why would you think that's a good thing to do, yeah, because he's a
1: fucking fool, that's why his boy he's a He's a dick. Anyway, mm. like, I, I I, keep thinking when you were talking about all this, like, the mis- ill behaviour of men show women that supposedly society is telling us that they like us. Um, I keep thinking about Jake Gyllenhaal's character in Love, Sex, Drugs or, you know, that film with Anne Hathaway. It's horrible. That film is fucked up on uh-huh. so many different ways. Uh-huh. But, like, she develops Parkinson's, I think. Oh, and okay. he is, like, this serial womaniser. Anyway, one of the things, one of the tactics that this guy has is he miss he miss he's caused women by their wrong name. And like, so the, apparently this is his theory in the movie. It makes women like want to reach out to him and like him. It calls attention to him. Mm-hmm. Like if, like if he knows your name is Jessica, he will call you Samantha. And that's a way to like get their attention. Like what a fucking cunt. Sorry.
0: Yeah. I think I hate I, that. I think it's a tactic for women or people what? who have what? like insecurity. The, insecurity. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. insecurity. To put other people down. Yeah, to right? put the other people down and you start you start to worry, "Oh, why has he called me the wrong name? Am I not enough for him? Or am I not worthy?" Exactly. Right? the value yeah. that that I'm supposed to have is not there. That means that I have to work harder. To get his attention.
1: (laughs) I know. That's it. It's so fucked up, hey. Yeah. And I feel like I... I I feel like I... This is the reason why I love being now in my 30s. Because I feel like in my 20s, I would not have... I would have been fooled by these kind of men. And I did. I was Mm. fooled by a lot of these men who teased me as a way to get my attention. But now... I know what kind of love I'm looking for. I'm looking for a nurturing good. man who is not going to fucking diminish me and and a man right. who will see me as an equal, <laughs> as a human being. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, That's so fantastic. funny that yeah. it's, like, rare. <laughs> um, oh, one more thing, yeah. So one more thing before we jump into our topic of this week's discussion in regards to <laughs> – yeah, so Oh, my God, it's been 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to, well, it's related. I wanted to mention, so yesterday I went back to the hospital to get my cast off. Oh, yeah, that's right. And uh-huh. I, 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 I go on about how sexist and gender slanted the world of law is, the legal industry. But mm-hmm. then yesterday while I was in the hospital, mm-hmm. I suddenly realised it's in the hospital and the medical industry as well. Like, um, yeah. I... I Came across. I was shipped around um, about five or six receptionists and nurses before I actually had a face-to-face conversation with the surgeon who did my hand operation, and mm-hmm. he saw me for about one or two minutes. It was an in-and-out. But every single person up until I saw him was a woman. So a woman was a receptionist, all the nurses were receptionists, or the hand therapist was receptionist. But
0: um, but you mean the female. Yeah, <laughs> the nurse was say- the female. Oh yeah, the, <laughs> the nurse was.
1: <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm getting my words marked up. Um, yeah, so all the all the, it was just so gender slanted. Yeah.
0: It was so gender know, slanted, yeah. and
1: all the all the surgeons were men, and then all the non surgeons like uh, the receptionists, the people, the per
0: peripheral peripheral, yeah, that- yeah, the yeah, were, that's a word, The people
1: yeah. doing the sort of, um. Support in... Yeah, or or the administrative work, the the running of the hospital were all women and the cleaners were women, I saw, and people of colour as well. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, uh, I was a bit like, oh, man, I don't know. Like, I just don't want my daughter to grow up thinking, like, it's just astonishing that in 2020, this is still so blatant. Yeah, it is, it is.
0: I mean, it might be, I don't know, it's a slightly better in... My local hospital because we have okay. a plenty of good looking male nurses with tattoos. <laughs> Wait, yeah. do
1: they have to? Is it important that they're good looking?
0: <laughs> no, I don't know, but it's just for some reason. Every time I turn up to hospital for emergency cases, they're handsome. Yeah, they're good looking.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Like Ben Stiller.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Ben Stiller. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're really kind as well. It's like, but they have a bill of. Most, I guess, maybe male nurses are required there for the sake of any violence incident happen, you know. Oh. My daughter, Aya, she she recognises that very, when she, since she was very young. Like, she recognises, yeah. like, when she's in a certain um, area um, or situations that she will start observing, um, okay, why is there more men than women? Or why is that men in certain position yeah yeah she, she yeah. observed that from a very young age she will often question me that i remember when we first when we first went to see uh-huh. gp and then she asked me that oh why am i seeing the male yeah. gp yeah like why why do i have to see a is there any like she actually requests to see yeah. a female right. doctor yeah 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 which is good because we've got like a very equal um numbers gps of, you know, yeah. female male that's right GP's That's in our right. area, which is good. We can jump yeah. right
1: in through to us like segment appropriately to our this week's <laughs> topic of topic, <laughs> the invisible yeah. workload burden that women put up with.
0: Um, yeah, do you want to just speak to that a bit, Helen? I think okay. Um, I'm just gonna start off my there's something that I wrote this morning. Um, I feel like as a woman that when you have an inspiration or a what's the word inspiration moment or a. As Epiphany. For, uh, yeah, moment, you know, like especially in a creative industry. It's often difficult to write it or put it down immediately because um I, I don't know if other women out there feel uh-huh. the same. Because I'm often like, for example, for me, I'm often uh-huh. will be in the middle of doing something like domestic chores parenting you know which is extended to many many things right. you know if when you right. have a when yeah like for the family who've got young children it might be like napping changing breastfeeding supervising the kids at the playground and particularly now when the COVID hit you know you might be tending to the kids doing their online learning you know i'm sad i'm kind of saddened by the the creativity or the potential amazing work that is lost you know, through the demand of women of the society to do the unpaid work like because sometimes when I have a thought that I want to write it down, I, I might be doing like the dishes or I might be in the middle of doing something. I can't just sit there, yeah and have the privilege to quickly write down, yeah, yeah, and when I finish something and then I want to go and write down, it's often disappeared. <laughs> it's like you have to concentrate yeah, on what yeah. you're doing right at the moment but you have the inspiration or something yeah. that you want to write it down. I know what you mean. Yeah, that's like right. An, a spark, an idea, yeah. And then you just lost, yeah. Is there any way to,
1: is there any way, what's the most, what's the most efficient way to, if if at all, to to tackle that? Like always have a pen and pencil next to you? Yeah, or, that's, that's,
0: what, I don't that's know. an ideal solution, but it doesn't, I guess it doesn't, over, it, doesn't yeah, change. it doesn't really change, you know.
1: I know, I know. I'm just thinking like really quick term solutions for you right yeah. now. That's all. You,
0: I think we've mentioned that, you know, how artists, like if you have yeah. taken art as a career, it's a very privileged, yeah. you're a very in a privileged position. I mean, if you're all settled or, in financial ways, you know, it's a very privileged yeah. position to be in. To be to to practice art. Yeah, to just sit there and you don't have to, I don't know, I guess don't have to worry about money or you don't have to worry about looking after someone else.
1: Yeah, like a constant
0: paycheck, kind
1: of a stable Mm -hmm. income. Um, What would you
0: like to talk about on the terms of invisible labour?
1: Well, I love what you've said and I just wanted to respond to that. And I think it's why I fear becoming a mother, if I ever did become a mother. I don't think, I think my feelings about motherhood changes every day. But if I ever did feel, if I, if I did ever become a mother, that would be my greatest fear that I would lose my ability to write. That's all. Just time. That's all. I'm not saying like talent or anything. I don't believe in talent. Mm. I don't believe in like, like I, I'm not, I don't think I am talented at all. I just think I love writing and I don't want to be taken away from what I love. That's ostensibly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think time is such an element that will change once you become a parent. Like I was reading um, one of the articles written by uh, Megan Fredrickson. So she works for Harvard. Yeah. Um, she wrote something in May 2020 and was published on The Conversation. Um, she was saying that how once the COVID had hit the whole world, mm-hmm. how much impact for her ex- as an a- academic, you know, there's less female academics submitting work, Yep. Yep. Uh, submitting grants. And yes, yes, their I time saw that too. has been just taken up yeah. for childcare and actually just essentially care for the whole household, yeah. you know. And she mentioned that even if the woman split childcare yeah, yeah. duties, evenly with a supportive husband, yeah, support, supportive, you know, uh, partner. Uh-huh. I hope that there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, women are still competing with many men who do less. Yeah, exactly. At home. So
1: they have more time.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: I often think about yeah. the people who have mm-hmm. made it in history and the people who we still read their books and their ideas are still circulating throughout the world. They just happen to be white, straight men because nothing wrong with. Anyone else? It's just because straight white men have been given the time and the resources to to do something, to do something outside of the house. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. That is all it is. Literally, they have been yeah. given more time. Yeah, that's it. You know,
0: it's so simple. I mean, I, I feel like um my situation is very similar to to the writer. Um, so this is how my housework, a uh, household mm. situation, like during this time, you know, that once the COVID hit, you know, even though I'm terribly blessed (laughs) with a partner, that helps a lot. But most of the time, it's definitely true that I feel that the woman, most women of the household takes upon much of the decision-making. I'm not just talking about the actual physical labor, Uh you know, for example, like what's for dinner and who's going to, like, what's going to be purchased Uh during the Uh grocery trip. And where to purchase, you know, yeah. um, vegetables online and how you're gonna get groceries delivered. Yeah, 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 yeah. You often
1: yeah, you often tell me that takes you hours. Yeah, and yeah, just the
0: mental law of thinking about how to eat properly during this time. Yeah. And arranging the time for the kids between devices or kicking them out of the house <laughs> to walk the dogs. Yeah. You know, and yeah. And also one thing for sure, I think most kids would go to their mothers first yeah. for asking questions yeah. they, and asking for dinner. The requirement of yeah. social interaction always is the mothers first. Can I? And t- when I was, yeah, yeah let on. me just finish it. And yeah, When no. I was preparing this, note. <laughs> my seven-year-old was talking to me as I have to nod to her mm. uh, about, the, she was telling me about the words of Sharpei, you know, it sounds funny, and she was telling me, explaining to me about corky puppies. That's so cute. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad my child always asks me what I'm doing for podcasts. Yeah. But she would largely spend her time talking to me when I'm prepping all this. Yeah, yeah. You know, she would sit there and I have to divert my attention between yeah. like, reading the articles, typing up the notes and also concentrating on yeah, what she was telling me. Yep. And yeah. paying attention to her. Yeah. Oh paying attention to her about telling me Dalmatians.
1: Yeah. You know? Yep, yep. And you want to give and her that time and attention Yeah, I want to give daughter. her time yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. I,
0: I just feel like women are fucking forced to, to multitask. Yeah. Not because we're good at it, you know. We're yeah. forced, forced to do to, it. Exactly. To yeah. do it to survive.
1: Yeah. And our attention is fragmented. Yeah. And like yeah, traditionally, right. men haven't had that, had to put up with that. That's why they've succeeded in more fields. Oh, my God. Yeah. God, I like, want to be a can't... dude. Why didn't I get born... <laughs> To be a man, <laughs> no, I say that, but actually, I don't want to be a man. It's, it's yeah. terrible. Like I would not want to be a man. It's there's so many degrees of fucked upness to being a man that I just would have killed myself ages ago if I was a guy.
0: <laughs> it was just so hard. I think, yeah. especially when the COVID, the you know, the yeah. how how much it's impacting family with children, and how how much it's impacting, especially mothers. Yeah. You know, and yeah, mothers know. that do need uh, to continue to work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Shit. I was just laughing before because I was thinking when you were talking about how mothers bear the brunt of very innocuous everyday things like answering questions and giving your child their attention. I was mm. always – I remember when I worked in private schools, I like boys and girls – like boys' mm-hmm. private schools and girls' private schools. I always asked – I was always really curious when I was working in the boys' private schools. I was always asking the, the boys during lunchtime when I had, like, playground duty, I would go to my students and say, oh, nice sandwich or whatever. And I would always say, who made it? Like, who made uh-huh. it? Like, yeah, I, I always ask the kids the about – and it was, of course, always, always a woman. Like, oh, sorry, always yeah, their mother. I, don't know I love, like, kind yeah. of poking my head into the ways in which really rich people run their lives – like I always uh-huh. was curious about the dynamics.
0: Yeah, it's not much different to other social class, is it?
1: I g- I gather not. Yeah, I gather not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the what would you like to talk about upon the um, invisible burdens of womanhood?
1: Yeah. Well, you spoke you spoke very much about the condition of motherhood. I guess mm. I wanted to speak about the burdens which I feel take up a lot of my head when I'm walking around in public spaces and that is the idea mm-hmm. that as a yeah young woman walking around say at night or coming home from the station I'm always very aware of protecting myself and always like when I walk from Redfern mm-hmm. station back home I'm always l- looking back on my shoulder um, like a maniac because I always have this fear that I'll be grabbed or raped or stabbed in mm-hmm. the back and my keys are always in my hand way before I get to my house like I always have a fear that someone is going to come from behind and grab me while I'm even when I'm opening my door like this hyper vigilance is so exhausting but yeah. I've become so I've become so attuned to it that it's part of my daily emotional and psychological sort of energy it's taken up, yeah. I guess, you know? I think it's very exhausting yeah. for
0: women always to have to... Like, for girls as well, like, to always yeah. have to be on alert. Like, if, if, if we become a victim, we were... There will be part yeah. of a society will still be victim-blaming of why you were there, yeah. why you were doing this, what you were wearing... I feel like it's not going to go away in any time mm-hmm. soon. And especially when I'm I brought up this kind of conversation with my like female friend. I said this is just so wrong, you know, why aren't we looking into how to change the behaviors or just abolish the behaviors of the perpetrators? Yeah. Like why do we have to behave mm. or prepare ourselves in this ways? They always say that oh, but what can we do? It's like are you going to stop telling your daughter to yeah. not wear yeah. what she's wearing? Or are you going to stop your daughter to tell her to come back before dark? Yeah, it's just so hard. And it's really, really mentally straining. Yeah. yeah, And
1: it, it kind of brings it back to what you and I were talking about last episode last week about how women girls are forced to mature young at an earlier age mm-hmm. yes, because yes. our bodies put us in a more vulnerable position like we literally our genitals we have a hole instead of this thing we, we don't have a thing we have instead a hole we have two holes down there instead of one <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you whereas,
0: know uh, like like in identification of a man they have a weapon yeah 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 a penis absolutely. is a weapon I, I totally a agree penis with you is a i fucking yeah. totally agree with you,
1: I totally agree yeah. with you wholeheartedly on that. It is so scary yeah. <laughs> Penises penis is are scary <laughs> <laughs> no, but i I mean we
0: laugh, but weapon. so many rape victims out there yeah yeah
1: it it was weaponized against me
0: it's so scary, fuck <laughs> it's
1: so fucked up, yeah, um, and you know during my are, like a few days ago, when I was talking about my book and how there's a deep correlation and a fucked upness towards the fact mm-hmm. that for women, love and violence is and sex mm-hmm. is so blurry and in inextricably yep. linked. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking when I was saying that that I might be over exaggerating or shocking the audience, but I don't think I am because there are so many women. Like, come on, how many DV people are there, survivors out there? You know, there are so many women yeah. who suffer also quietly and silently there's so
0: many of us out there yeah this is yeah, not definitely. this is
1: not a 1% in society this is more like a 25% or something yeah
0: wasn't there like a study saying that a woman between the age of 16 and something like late 20s that's one in 6 i think there will be one more than one in Crazy. 6 yeah and then in experience. indigenous and there will yeah, be higher communities,
1: higher, yeah. yeah. And people of women of color, colour, higher, yeah. trans.
0: And particularly from the conservative yeah. um communities, like you said, people of colour and also Yeah, I don't know, Asians, because we just don't come out and yeah, talk about exactly, it. Exactly,
1: because of shame. Yeah. I wonder whether this thing we're talking about, this like hyper vigilance that women have, because we we fear being attacked because we move around in a female body. Mm-hmm. All that takes away from our energy to do what we want. Yeah. You
0: know? Takes away a lot of energy. A lot of energy, yeah. yeah. We can't
1: be a ho- a whole human being mm-hmm. in the way mm-hmm. that a guy can because yeah. we're thinking about, shit, am I going to get like fucking, just little things. There are everyday little tiny things that make up a bigger whole mm-hmm. is what
0: I'm saying. Yeah. 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 That's why I saw one of the main on Facebook the other day, it says that a woman needs more sleep than men because because it's exhausting fighting patriarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, okay. I know we haven't got to Demolition Man, but maybe um after you finish Demolition Man next week, we can just speak on Demolition Man. Can we? Oh yeah, yeah, just of course. Whole whole <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of
0: course. I want to talk about Demolition Man. Yeah, and okay. also on 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 the other point that I wanted, I think I I didn't want to. Watch um, Kong Air again because oh that's my one god, of
1: <laughs> Nicolas
0: Cage! No, he makes <laughs> one me of the so retro sad. movie. Yeah, I know. I know that was a sad movie. That's the oh, first so movie sad. that I cry in a cinema. Oh, okay. it's so funny <laughs> thinking about it now.
1: Oh,
0: okay, yeah, but okay.
1: uh, oh, isn't John Cusack in that movie as well? Oh, yes, I think love is. John Cusack, he's <laughs> so fucking hot. Yeah, well, if we're gonna watch Kong um, Air, we better watch Face Off as well. <laughs> <laughs> <It was> just, <laughs> <laughs> Just do a Unlimited whole. to movie. Yeah, yeah, Nicolas Cage catalog. That's what we should do. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, so oh. next week we're going to be talking about Demolition Man, guys. Mm-hmm. Wesley yeah. Slives, Sylvester Same Sloan, tune. <laughs> Sandra Bullock. Oh my God. Yeah. I watched yeah, it know, last night, so I can't believe it. Benjamin wait to
0: Pratt and Rob Schneider. I know, as well.
1: I, I cannot believe it. A bunch of people. And also Benjamin Pratt was in Miss uh, Cageniality. Cageniality, with, yeah. Yeah, with Sandra Bullock as well.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think they were an, an item before. Oh, they? were they? Yeah, but good yeah. couple. Okay, anyway. Good couple, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so we should finish yeah. up here.
1: Well, good to chat. Yeah, well, everyone. It's good to chat. For the women out there, keep fighting. Keep yeah. staying angry. Stay strong. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, chat to you okay. next week. Bye. Yeah.
1: Bye. I always
2: say good old days, someday